Tracy Cook and welcome to the podcast series Victim to Victory. This series gives a voice to those that have overcome obstacles in all forms, that dare greatly to share their real stories, amazing humans that have seen hope and risen above those adversities to become victorious, that now support and inspire others to do the same. And today we're giving a voice to Catherine Marie and we really appreciate having such a rock star on our podcast. I've been watching all of her stuff and before we let her get into her story, I want to share a little bit about her and then we'll delve right in. So Catherine Marie in 2000 gave birth to premature twins And then in 2015, she was diagnosed with stage three breast cancer. She says the cancer does not define her. And believe me, if you watch any of her YouTube channel, it does not. But it has shaped her. These events served as a springboard to help others through their own challenges. And Catherine is now a speaker and holistic health coach. Welcome to Victim to Victory, Catherine. And where does your story start? Thank you so much, Tracy. So first of all, thank you. I so appreciate talking with you today and I was so excited. So thank you for sharing your space with me. My story, well, let's start at in 2000. Yes, I gave birth to premature twins. They were born at just 25 weeks gestation and together weighed less than three pounds. So, oh, sorry, I didn't do the conversion for you, but uh, very, very very tiny, Um, multiple challenges. Uh, My son was in the hospital for four and a half months after being born, my daughter for nine and a half months. And... Uh, Both have multiple diagnoses, both now at 21, uh, still have special needs, and they are the light of my life. That, however, um, immersed me in the medical community (laughs) and taught me how to partner with doctors and nurses and physical therapists and occupational therapists and all of the people that were necessary for helping my children move forward which did help me when I was suddenly diagnosed with stage three breast cancer in 2015. And it's all started with an annual checkup with my doctor. I went in and she was doing a breast exam and found a lump, which then led me to going to a diagnostic ultrasound and mammogram. Now, It was at that diagnostic ultrasound and mammogram that my history with my children helped me in that I had the mammogram first and then the ultrasound. And that ultrasound tech I found didn't look at me. And after the test, she went and she got a radiologist who came in and he had this look on his face. And I knew that look because of my history with my children. And that was a look of concern and worry and not wanting to say anything until tests confirm. And I knew at that moment that it was pretty serious. Now I wanna throw in there that 
I had just had a mammogram just eight and a half months prior, which had been told was normal. And so what that radiologist told me was that there was an area of concern that was still not evident on the mammogram, but they could see on the ultrasound that there was a concern in my breast and in the lymph nodes under my arm. So that led me to the following week, I went for a biopsy. And at that test, the doctor was more forthcoming with me. And she told me that the tissue did not look like normal breast tissue. And that began the process because the very next day I received a call from a stranger who told me that I did in fact have cancer. And so that was the start of getting more testing and diagnosing and meeting with an oncologist and a surgeon. And it was exactly three weeks after my diagnosis that I was in surgery having a double mastectomy. So I want to pause. Do you have any questions or should I keep going? Catherine, Catherine, I'm just taking all of that information in. Um, As a cancer survivor myself, I know that everyone's experience is different and I don't even remember driving home from the hospital after mine. That's um, how um, I just floated home, I think. I think the car drove itself. Talk us through and take us into that room, if you don't mind. What was the first thing that went through your mind when you were delivered that news? Uh, the the diagnosis itself. Mm, the diagnosis. I was actually called on the phone. So I did not receive the news in person. Mm. It was a nurse that I didn't know whose job it is simply to call people and tell them that they have cancer and set up appointments. I remember exactly where I was standing. I was in my kitchen. <laughs> I was getting ready to go out the door and pick up my kids. Mm. And my thought was not something that I can verbalize on the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I want to pause and say, I'm sorry, I I did not know that you also had experienced cancer. So my compassion goes out to you. Um, Yeah, it's fear. It's fear. And it is, oh, no, now what? And what am I going to do? And all of these thoughts, flooding and fears. And I immediately jumped into function mode. I actually had five days in between when I had that diagnostic mammogram and ultrasound and then the biopsy, there was a five-day wait. Mm -hmm. And I felt like in that time, I needed some control in a situation that felt completely out of control. And I don't feel like I was manifesting any cancer, but that I needed to prepare myself for if something should happen. So what I did in that five-day wait is I talked with some local people that I knew who had had breast cancer and got doctor recommendations. Because of my history with my children, I was used to really having a good relationship with doctors. And so my desire was to choose doctors 
that I wanted as opposed to being assigned to doctors. So when that nurse called me and told me that I had cancer, I said, this is who I want for an oncologist and this is who I want for a surgeon. And I did that so that I could feel comfortable going forward with these people. And isn't it amazing? And I think this is, uh, and not taking away from men, but I think it's very maternal as well to quickly kind of pull yourself out into function mode and to, to get things sorted and to get things set up. And everyone's experience is so different, but a lot of people that um, have been through cancer that I've spoken to have all said the same thing. And I just think you go into... And I like the way you put that then, Catherine. Um, you controlled something that was out of control. You had control of what you could. And I think that's a, a very common trait, as you will, when you delivered that diagnosis. You kind of sit in it for a moment and you go, holy, and then you just go into, okay, what do I need to do, especially when we have children? And um, did you deliver the news to your children straight away? Um. I I did that evening, yes, and I felt like I needed to. So at the time, they were almost 15, but not cognitively. So their chronological age was just 15. Their emotional age would be more of an elementary age person. And so I did, and I just explained it as... Um, how did I explain it? I think I explained it as I had a lump in me and the doctors needed to remove it and I was going to need surgery. And as things progressed, I gave them more information. And I believe in the concept of you give them information, what you think that they can understand and wait for questions no, not to overload them with too much at first. But so I would give them a little bit of information, wait for questions and, and just, you know, I didn't sugarcoat anything. I also didn't, I used real language. I explained that the lump was in my breast. I didn't try to, I wanted to make sure to use the real language with them. Definitely. And where did your journey um, kind of escalate from there? So I, okay, so I had a double mastectomy and then after I recovered from that, I had five weeks or five months of chemotherapy and six weeks of radiation. I chose to do delayed reconstruction. So it wasn't until the spring of 2016 when I began that process and I feel like an important part of my story to share is that I, at that point, I was moving forward physically, but not emotionally. I think once you end all of that treatment and you've been in function mode for so long and you get to a stopping point and you're, you look around and you're like, oh my gosh, what just happened? <laughs> and oh, Catherine, that is so true. It's yes. like a it's like a brain fog almost. It's like, wow, what just actually happened? I'm so yes. glad you mentioned that. But then sometimes when you look around and you say, what just happened? You're like, holy cow. My life changed in an instant. I was healthy. I felt healthy. And all of a sudden I had cancer. And I know exactly how quickly that can change. And so 
I became stuck in that fear of recurrence. And it was the summer of 2016 when I was so scared of that recurrence. And there was a one night that was really pivotal. And I was alone and I was sitting on my bed, surrounded by pillows and a cup of tea on my nightstand. And I was on my laptop and I was communicating with some people on a breast cancer message board, online community support message board. And I read something by another cancer patient that just was like a rope being tossed to me in quicksand. She said, I don't want to look back decades from now and realized I'd lived that entire time in fear. And that just like, it was like jumping out of that quicksand, you know, and it just resonated with me. And I realized I had to start living. Right. And Mm -hmm. at the same time, I had started to become friends with one of the ladies on that online message board. And when we met, she had stage four, she was stage four and she was dying from the same disease that was in me. And so that was really scary becoming friends with this person who was dying Mm -hmm. and knowing that if my disease came back, that I would be experiencing the same thing. And yet I was able to help her. She was in another state. We never actually met in person, but we ended up talking and texting every day and laughing and crying in the same conversations. And when her vision started to go, I would send her a magnifying glass or just, you know, she's like, oh, I'm craving such and such. And I'd mail it off to her, that sort of thing. Lovely. And it was awesome. It was beautiful. And I was able to walk the last year of her life with her. Oh, that's so, that is so powerful. And I bet she really appreciated that too. And that must be still tug of the heartstrings to kind of share that as well, Catherine. I can tell definitely that feeling never goes away because although you're helping another person, you're still putting yourself in that position thinking that could be me. That could have been me. Exactly. That's um, just such a powerful thing to share. And when you've gone on your your health journey, I, I, I hope you don't mind me asking, but I really am intrigued of what changes you made in your health journey that mm-hmm. um, that you're continuing with because I know that we all change what we eat and how we exercise and what we think about and what we intake and who we associate with when we actually recover from something as powerful and impactful and and life-changing as going through cancer and and treatment and surgeries. How how did you apply all these health changes into your lifestyle? Yeah, so I, in all of this process with my friend dying and all of that and, and just kind of waking up to, okay, I need to live, I decided to go back to school and I studied holistic health And I really, really, at that time, it was like a light bulb that there is more to health than what you put in your mouth or the exercise. And I realized it's stress reduction, it's healthy relationships, and it just, it it changed me so completely. I've gone more plant-based 
I would not say I'm a hundred percent without, um, without animal products, but I'm mostly plant-based and I feel healthier on it. And I, uh, incorporate stress management techniques, which I never focused on before relationships. I don't have patience for relationships that are not healthy. Mm. And I make it a priority to spend time in relationships that are authentic and deep and meaningful. That means a great deal to me. So it truly is. I am truly in that holistic space. And now with my, uh, I now coach people who, and I specialize in helping cancer patients and helping them in ways of being that emotional comfort of somebody who uh, has been there, but is outside of that family dynamic, or perhaps talking about what I went through. So for example, like helping them figure out that um, for me, it was uh, cold fruity smoothies that help me with that metallic taste that you get when you go through chemotherapy. So it's, it's sharing those kinds of things. That's how I help other people is, is sharing my experience and what I went through and perhaps they can grab bits of information to help them. And those little things like mentioning a smoothie, they are big things when you're going through something like that. It's gone, mm. oh, my God, this is the best smoothie ever. You know, suddenly the little things become the big things. And right. And, and they change. They change your mindset. And I'm so glad that you're within a holistic space because sometimes if we have a health scare or a prognosis or a diagnosis, the first thing that we're socially conditioned to do is, oh, I better start going to the gym and eating healthy. But you don't think that it's maybe toxic conversations that are happening within your space or even your household sometimes, the people you hang around, the places you go, what you watch on TV, what you read, because food is medicine for a start. And I know that you would agree with that, um, Catherine. Yes. But also, um, you know, uh, things don't change unless we change. So if mm-hmm. we don't change uh, what our environment um, is, even as simple um, and please let me know your thoughts around this. Even as simple as decluttering our mind just by clearing our office desk off and getting rid of all those old papers that keep piling up. Um, and I think these are really helpful tips. I think these are really practical tips. And especially with that holistic um, uh, health coaching um, uh, industry that you are in, Um, Mm -hmm. What are the biggest things that stand out to you that most people kind of really want to know? That that other cancer patients really want to know? Yeah, in the the health space, Mm, holistically. You know, a lot of people, they, they, they are facing challenges of relationships and how to, I would say a, a big question is, how do I handle uh, the relationships changes that are occurring during a cancer diagnosis? That is one of the biggest things. And, and with this whole holistic approach, I like to remind people that the, the food is the environment inside. Everything else is the environment outside. 
And the other thing that I think is really important that, that cancer patients need to know or want to know is facing that fears, though all of the fears, whether it's when they're in treatment or post-treatment and facing that fear of recurrence and how do I move forward? And you're right, the, the clearing the clutter and, and even just journaling and getting stuff out of your brain is super, super helpful. Definitely. And um, uh, I think a lot of um, uh, going into gratitude as well. And I know yes. that um, we all are given our stories, no matter how bad they are, to go on and do something powerful with it. Some of us hear the message and some of us don't. Some of it wear our stories like a superhero cape and some of us like an anchor. <laughs> so to really embrace, and I find this absolutely amazing with people like you that I speak to, Catherine, and you're just the, the ideal person that you've been some, through some things that are just so traumatic and so life-changing and you could have thrown in that card and just given up but you kept going and you had a strong mindset and you went into action mode and now from that experience you're helping other cancer patients so that story was a gift to you that that um, experience was a gift and a journey that you had to share with others to unlock their keys uh, to their journey and their success. And I, I truly believe that people are blessed with their with their with their stories. Um, what are your thoughts around that? I, I would love to hear your thoughts around that that kind of concept. I think you know there's a cliche that. Um, Oh gosh, I'm trying to think of what it is now about um, that things happen for a reason. That's what I was thinking of. Sorry. Um, it's early morning here. <laughs> <laughs> and I personally don't resonate with that. I don't believe that I got cancer for a reason to, to go forward and help others. What I do believe is that in the process of going through something, there are lessons and there are purposes. It's not that it happened to me for a reason or that I could handle it over another person necessarily. It's just that I have taken this situation and I have learned to share myself so that I can help others and that there is that purpose of helping others and there are lessons in the pain. I love that. I absolutely love that. Uh, now you're serving so many people. Uh, where is your story now? Because I know that you're, uh, you've got such a great community and uh, you're helping so many people um, and you're very uh, inspiring to a lot of your community as well. So I really encourage everybody to, to go check out uh, Catherine Marie's um, socials that we will be sharing as well and just really connect with her. And um, Catherine, what kind of message would you like to leave our audience on today? Well, first, I want to validate the cancer patient by saying cancer is really, really hard and scary. And you can also have laughter at the same time. Conflicting emotions can and do coexist at the same time. So it's not only okay to have laughter and cancer, but it's healthy for you. 
I encourage cancer patients to accept help from others as well, because that is really important. Do as I say and not as I did. I I did on a limited basis, but, you know, (laughs) sometimes it's hard. But I encourage people to, to, to allow people to help them. And a little note for friends and family. Because I, I think it's really important to be that liaison or that person to give inside information to friends and family. Don't disappear. You'd be surprised at how many friends and family disappeared during that time. And ride that roller coaster of emotions with the cancer patient. And lastly, what I hear from cancer patients over and over again that I want to communicate to friends and family is please watch your language. Some cancer patients really resonate with the, I'm going to be a warrior and I'm going to be strong and I'm going to fight this, et cetera. And some cancer patients do not resonate with that battle language because, and I want to explain that if down the road, they do not end up Um, going forward and continuing with health, they feel like a failure. So I suggest that friends and family listen to what the cancer patient is saying and use that language and, and make sure that they're, they're following the example of the cancer patient, because some people do enjoy being a warrior and some people don't. And let's just honor the cancer patient and what they're going through. I think that's just such a um, an important message, an important message, because we don't stop and think of that. We just go into, you'll be right, you'll get through, you can do it, um, because that's our, us facing our own fear, isn't it? Because we, we feel um, challenged maybe at that stage as well. So yes. I, that's very important information. Thank you so much, Catherine, uh, for being brave to share your story. And we'll be sharing where to connect with Catherine Marie as well. You are so appreciated as a guest on the Victim to Victory podcast series. You can also check out our YouTube, Spotify and Apple for our podcast. Please subscribe, share and comment and help be the change that the world needs. And let me leave you with a message of step into your story, figure out who you are and do it on purpose. See you next time, Catherine. Bye for now. Thank you so much, Tracy.